Sports, the Carson Price for Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee, here at the iconic Wall Center at downtown Vancouver, where there is a fantastic community of people. They enrich our daily lives. Shout out to Jerry and Emma up at Cafe One, Leah and Rafi at Wall Center Fine Spirits, and Jason and Aziz at World Class Auto Care. And if you're looking for a night stay here in downtown Vancouver, call the wall, 604-331-1000. Ask for the Sikarison price rate. Some blackout date supply. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price. Great success. Hitting switches, conducting things alongside Madison Buckingham. We've got a big show, and it's plan- uh, got a big show planned for you, and it's all brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia in Surrey has the Kia Nero EV. They've also got the Nero EV6. And you can get a complimentary EV charger or a complimentary set of winter tires. Your choice if you just pay a visit to Applewood Kia in Surrey. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. How are you feeling after three straight losses? Fine. First place. We're concerned. You can vote. At Sikharson Price on Twitter and YouTube. I voted fine. Everything is fine. They still have cushion atop the Pacific. Are you quoting the, like the the, still... the animated dog meme with the f- house on fire? No, this is fine. No, 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 I don't. I mean this sincerely. Oh, okay. It's fine. Everything is fine. First three game losing streak of the season in late February. We all would have taken that at the beginning of the year. Still cushion atop the Pacific. Still cushion atop the West. Many more opportunities to play some of the best teams in the league, including the Boston Bruins, who are here on Saturday night including Vegas and Winnipeg and others between now and the end of the regular season. I am not chicken little. This was bound to happen. Everything is fine. Fine. Boy, you you just, you seem to be saying it a lot. It's like you're you're trying to convince yourself. No, not the least. Dakota Joshua is missing. He's been a key part for them. They're at 80 points. Power play has gone quiet. More on that coming up. Too many talented offensive players for that to continue to be the case. Everything is fine. Um, I am uh, going to vote fine as well. I am mm. not without concern, but ultimately at 80 points on the season, I mean, I think you'd be happy if you were at 80 points on the season on March 20th. Um, you'd be pretty confident you're headed to the playoffs. Uh, there at 80 points on the season, February 21st. Uh, they've got lots of time to get the requisite 14 points probably to get into the playoffs. And, of course, they've got their sights set higher than that to, to hopefully win the division. But even then, I mean, we're talking about, what, 12 wins to win the division, 24 points maybe to win the division. Um, it's doable for them. And uh, I think this is probably a good thing to have a little bit of a scuffle. If they, yep. if, if they had... Honestly, if they had kept up this this non-three-game losing streak streak that they had, uh, you'd almost be worried about them in the playoffs after back-to-back losses in the playoffs mm-hmm. and if they were able to bounce back. We talked about it. One of the tests and one of the things that, and, and frankly, I mean, he's a competitive guy. He doesn't like losing. But I bet there's a little bit of Rick, Tol- Rick Tockett that relishes this just in terms of better now than in the playoffs, as you say, or on the eve of the playoffs. Right. You've got ample opportunity to get your stuff back together here, and I suspect they will. And you're not all that. Remember, you like right. you want to have confidence. You got to walk that fine line of having confidence, believing in yourselves, but not believing that you don't stick. And one of the things that Rick Tockett has done here over his year, thirteen months, 
in Vancouver as the head hockey coach, and we've talked about we talked about it earlier in the season. The first thing he had to do was break them down, guys. You're not very good, you know. Don't start puffing chests out walking around town like mm-hmm. you know what doesn't stink because you've won two or three games in a row here. So he he tore them down and he's built them back up. Yeah, and occasional reminders that this is a difficult league. And it's not going to be a cakewalk, despite the fact that through 60 games it has been close to a cakewalk for them. I mean, a lot of things have come easy for them. We talked about it yesterday. What actually, and we saw a lot of it in the comments of our poll question yesterday, what actually qualifies as adversity for the Canucks this year? The two two two-game losing streaks, second week of the season, Philadelphia and Tampa, Calgary and Seattle in November. Losing I mean, three of five. You really, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're going through the season with a fine-tooth comb to to find adversity. And so. I know you didn't want to hear anything about this, but I said last night, or I said yesterday going into the game, you know what, you need a bounce-back performance. And you can't say win or lose necessarily because it's 82 games. You can't ride that roller coaster, you know, so much, especially when you're in first place. You, you can't be so uh, too, you know, points-driven. That was a bounce-back performance. They, they played, you know, a, a Stanley Cup favorite, never mind Stanley Cup contender. Canucks are a contender. The Avs are a favorite because they've done it before. So they're playing a Stanley Cup favorite, and they look very good. In fact, in a lot of ways, they won the game uh, last night in terms of the balance of play. No. Uh, I have so many problems with what you just said. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> well, know it's objectively where to begin. true. They no, no, they, it's they not. carried the no, balance no. of play at five on five. Yes, they did. Okay. We well, say they won the game. It was three one Colorado. They lost the game. We're beyond moral. Victims. I said in a lot of ways. Secondly, this team is the Stanley Cup favorite. Colorado. It said is a Stanley Cup favorite. Can there be more than one favorite? Yes. Okay. That team with Ryan Johansson playing second-line center and hats off to the pride of Port Moody because he had him a game mm-hmm. last night when he needed one because they were on the market for a second-line center. And with Gor- uh, Georgiev in goal, you think that's a Stanley Cup favorite? The, the, they've got this Nathan McKinnon fellow. I've heard of him. Yeah. He's pretty good. they got this Miko Rantanen fellow, this also Kale pretty McCarr good. fellow. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying it is w- when you take a look at Vegas – and you take a look at Edmonton, and you take a look at Vancouver, and you take a look at Florida and Boston, you think that team, Colorado, is amongst the yes. Stanley Cup The favorites. answer is yes. And okay. again, because Vancouver has never come anywhere close to the achievements of the Avs, of the Bruins, Fair enough. of the Panthers, you know, any of those Fair teams enough. that you mentioned. Can, let me ask this then. Why not Florida? They now lead the league in winning percentage, points well, percentage. Florida's up there. 969, they have jumped over the Canucks during this three-game losing streak. They're the defending Eastern Conference champion. That's right. They were finalists okay. last year. They got into the Stanley Cup final. They've accomplished a lot. They've proven they can win three rounds of NHL playoff hockey. So I, I, absolutely. I gotta favorite. say though, in the narrow lens of last night's game and playing a top team, what you tweeted, what Grady tweeted, what I saw others tweeting with regards to the effort and the bounce back and the this and the that. Uh, uh, I may have PTSD from most of the last 10 years, but I'm really sick and tired and done with the whole notion of moral victories for an 80-point team that is right now 
on track to be the Preston's Trophy winning team. See, I, I really done. I would split the hair here in that and say if they were a sixty-eight point team and on the bubble of the NHL playoffs, then I would understand your sentiment because then you'd be like, this team has proven nothing. They are on the they're they're not in the playoffs yet. They they have to learn how to win and bounce back. All that would be true if they were a sixty-eight point team. They're in first place in the league at eighty points. They know how to win. Right. They've proven it all season long that they know how to win games. So, you know, judging them by performance rather than the two points right now, yeah, I think you can do that because they've proven they can win. You no, know, and perhaps it's a semantic game at this point, Blake. But um, I, I do believe in process over results. Yeah. Big picture. Um, but also, by the same token, um. I just I, I I cannot sort of accept the days of you know good try. Well, you you don't accept it in that's progress in it's the long progress. term. Like if they have two more of these efforts and both of those are losses as well, and they've lost five straight but played three really good games. No, they, then the, that excuse is out the window. But in t- they gave up ten goals the game before, Matt, mm-hmm. and, and they had to travel and be at at, at altitude. I mean, they no, played. A, they played a very good hockey game, and they just didn't get the bounces. I mean, Colorado's off a tip. Um, you know, they've in they, a scramble play like they, those. They the, the JT Miller goal was far better goal, skill goal than either of the offerings from the Colorado Avalanche. They got some bounces, and hey, there's a little regression for you there, a little bit of PDO regression for you. That's an 898 goalie that beat them. Um, you know, that's not going to happen. You'd think most often. Okay. When the aesthetics of the goal count for more than one goal, we can talk on that. But they all just count as one. The ugly ones and the pretty ones, right? Right, but ones are some are lucky and some are purely skill created. Some are uh you know, aggression related and some are skill created. I'm just telling you and Grady as well. I will be fighting back on moral victories the rest of the way here. Well, we'll have to take it uh, on a game-by-game basis. Okay. And I'll tell you when you're wrong. Let's get to the <laughs> big story, top story, brought to you by Mr. Lube. The National Hockey League debut of Surrey's Arshdeep Baines. He has two scoring chances himself. He generates two more for Teddy Bluger. And he takes a penalty, and he's minus two. But he played four minutes in the third period, on the third line, when others, Nils Zaman, Phil DiGiuseppe, Ilya Mikheyev, weren't playing a whole lot in the third period. 13-21 for the night, and he starts the game. A nice touch by Rick Tockett starts the game against Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr lining up alongside Bluger and Garland on that third line that has been so terrific in place of Dakota Joshua. I know there were a lot of Canucks fans hoping that he got that placement in his NHL debut because if he's playing on the fourth line, it means he's probably not playing a lot, and it means he's probably not going to get many offensive opportunities with a couple of guys who, let's face it, don't generate much uh, by way of offensive opportunity. But on that third line, that is putting a kid in a position to succeed and giving him some confidence in his first NHL game Man, I thought he was going to score coming down off the right wing when he had that screen in the first period. If that's game 10 of his NHL career, he's he shooting. He probably does. Well, Oh, you're talking about the two-on-one. Oh, the two-on-one, sorry, yeah, yes. Then there's the two-on-one where he probably should shoot, but he winds up batting the puck dangerously. 
on goal. So that's a scoring chance as well. And then the two plays below the goal line where he's setting up Teddy Bluger. I mean, Teddy Bluger should score there. So he, by all rights, should walk away from this hockey game with a point or two or three the way he played. Honestly, in that 2 one I do truly believe in his opening game, he's probably thinking, ah, I can't keep on my first ever NHL 2-on-1. Probably right. The deferential culture of hockey, right? Um, And then the the instant chemistry, remember we were talking, just looking at the profile of the player going, I think this will work on the third line, and it did. And the chemistry with Bluger, I mean, we've talked about how those guys seem to be on the same wavelength. Boy, he joined that wavelength. He logged into that Wi-Fi pretty pretty easily, didn't he? And I did think it was kind of cute a couple of times watching the game, you know, a great pass, and then immediately scampering off on the on – I'd like to go look through his, his uh, shift chart and see if there was any 22-second shifts in there because, you know, he was he was minding his P's and Q's. He knew this was my debut on the road. I want to get caught in a long shift because when you're on the road, you, just, you never know, especially in the second period. Um, so he was uh, – you know, he was taking no risks and yet still inserted himself into the play and, and asserted himself in a fabulous way. So congratulations to Archdeep Baines. Our top story brought to you by Mr. Lube, 100% Canadian, starred in Edmonton by a father and son team. As we looked at a father and son yeah, there in Colorado as well. Uh, warranty approved oil changes and now tire service and sales with no appointments as well. 16 locations in the lower mainland for one near you. Go to MrLube.com. And he becomes the fourth player of Punjabi descent to play in the National Hockey Re- National Hockey League. Robin Bawa, we talked about him in 1989. Manny Malhotra, former Vancouver Canuck in 98. Uh, Jujar Kara in 2015. His father, as you mentioned, was in attendance. Let's hear from Arshdeep Baines. Uh, well, first we'll hear about making his National Hockey League debut. Yeah, it was really special. I think I almost uh, kind of forgot to hit the pucks on the ice when I went out there. So that's how kind of, kind of, you know, I was just in awe of being out there. So it was really special. How about the first shift and then maybe managing the nerves? Did you talk to anyone on the bench? Yeah, I think everybody kind of came up to me and gave me some, you know, some some words. And throughout the game, they were really positive with me. So it was it was a great experience, and, and the team really helped me through. Yeah, rookie lab for the ages. He touches the ground. He touches his heart. He whirls around that first lap. Then knocks the pucks onto the ice, uh, takes the first shot before his teammates join him. A really nice moment there. Nice moral victory there for Archdeep Baines. It's a fine it's tradition just, just trolling. in the National Hockey League uh, to give that rookie the uh, solo lap to start. And as you mentioned, his father was in attendance. It's the mentors trip, dads and brothers uh, involved, traveling with the Vancouver Canucks. That was Archdeep in conversation with Kate Pedersen, the Canucks reporter. Uh, let's hear from him talking about this was a dream come true. Yeah, for sure. I think just first stepping out there, it just feels like a dream. And then kind of when you get uh, into your first shift and throughout the game, it's kind of kind of just like another hockey game. So yeah, it was really cool. I wonder what your dad said to you before the game. Yeah, I think he uh, he was a little emotional. And told me you know, a little bit a little bit of water in his eyes, but it's it's that's every kid's dream, I think, to make their dad proud. He didn't seem super wistful on the bench. Like, he seemed like he was just, mm-hmm. it was a business day for him, you know? Like, he, uh, I'm sure, I, what's that expression about the, you know, the duck on top of the water? It's yes. really calm mm-hmm. and the paddling below. Oh, I, I'm sure he internalized it all, but, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he, he put a great foot forward there. And, he and, did. And I think, Matt, if you're, if you're Rick Tockett, you ain't got time to bleed. Um, I didn't particularly see anything that I needed to to see again from Phil DiGiuseppe, uh, not mm. to pick on him, but if you're talking about like 
you know, why you'd keep him in the lineup. I mean, I think Sam oh, Lafferty uh, deserves to. to try to reassert himself. Right. And I think it's DJ Seppi's turn to sit. For sure. Arshdi Baines from Delta Hockey Academy to the Vancouver Chiefs to the Valley West Hawks, the Red Deer Rebels, the Abbotsford Canucks, and now a Vancouver Canuck. And uh, absolutely he stays in the lineup against Seattle tomorrow. I don't see how you can take him out after that game. Nope. Uh, not when, as you say, there were a couple of forwards who were worse than him. Amon plays seven minutes and 21 seconds in this game. Phil DiGiuseppe plays six minutes and 55 seconds. And oh. Blake, that's on the second game of back-to-back at altitude in Denver, as you say. So, Well, Robert Allen Richter on YouTube chiming in says, Matt, when you fly from Minnesota and play at altitude... That's practically a scheduled loss anyway. Sikaris is being a bit Again, harsh. All of this loser mentality has to leave, everybody. If they're going to be a Stanley Cup champion, it can't be surrounded in an environment of loser mentality, moral victories. They are the first place team in the National Hockey yes. League. There's no loser God, let's mentality. Hope that shit doesn't seep into the dressing room. Banking points earlier on the season allows for these hiccups later on. That's so right. then you can sharpen up come results time. oriented business. Context matters here. Right. Though, if it's Matthew. results oriented, look at the results. They're in first place. They lost last night. Again, in the narrow lens of last night, that was a loss. The effort was there. A couple bounces. We're talking about a completely so, different Grady, outcome. So if this show goes off the rails, which it often I does. don't care about your effort. The show has gone off the freaking rails. What if it's a technical mishap that I have no control over? Bell hacked our internet. They're shutting us down. They're scared of the independent media. Wouldn't be the first time. Has he got something in his coffee this morning? I don't know. He looks. He he was really slow. Oh, did at the, the show the start. go off the rails this morning? He was really kind of slow and sluggish. I thought when he first rolled in, and now he's really more zippy. so than usual. Yeah, now he's I really build zippy. Up to it. I'm the opposite of the Canucks. I start off slow, but yeah. I get my momentum. Your third periods stride. are good. Yeah. Do, do you know that, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm the one who goes and fetches the coffee for this outfit. Not and for this outfit, for Grady. I don't have a third and fourth cups of coffee. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Grady requested two coffees today. Yeah, we're we're seeing the the effects of that. I would think so. Yeah. Look at okay. the size of this thing. That is like an extra small at most places here. Okay. Okay. Need two minimum. Uh, we do need. Why to- are you? Why is your video box so? Uh, the people want to see me. <laughs> no, but why are you sure so? Why is your? Yeah, exactly. Like level up there, bud. I'll stand up. We we need to. Yeah, you should be like well, if equal I, height. If I mess with slightly it, below me. It's going to in fall terms off. of height. Okay. Uh, one thing that R.C. Baines is not going to change, I wouldn't think, anytime soon, is the Canucks power play, Matt. I was about to get there. And uh, thank you, Blake, for, for getting this show there. back on the rails. Uh-huh. Um, and power play is 3 for 29 since Elias Lindholm joined. Uh, and incidentally, they're 4 for 1 since Elias Lindholm joined. Uh, JT Miller in the bumper spot was curious uh, to begin with, but they snapped that 0 for 20 streak on the power play in Minnesota, then came back and went 0 for 2 against the Colorado Avalanche. Do we want to hear from Coach Talk? But it bears, then- note, bears noting that Minnesota goal was was on a broken play, though, right. in which JT Miller's not in the bumper spot, and he's almost floated back into his old spot. So, you know, why did... Yeah, he's why- driving down the middle right. as opposed to being stationary. Right. Like, why they didn't go, ah, right. 
Let's hear from Coach Talkett on this uh, sagging power play. Yeah, I thought we played a good game. We had a bunch of chances, just didn't put them in. It was a well-played game. How about the way you contained, particularly McKinnon's line and the defensive effort? Yeah, did a nice job against them. McCarr, you know, those guys are special players. I thought we did a really nice job against them. So, yeah, it was hard. It's one of those things that we just couldn't score to get the, the equalizer. They couldn't. And and when you when you think back over to these three losses, if the power play works in all three of those games, I think you could make the argument that they win all three of those games. Like there's there's pivotal points in all three of those games. They get a power play goal, even just a singular power play goal. Those games turn into wins. Yeah, that that was actually talking talking about they they couldn't get the equalizing mm-hmm. goal. He did speak specifically to the power play, which we'll listen to here in a second. For everybody, and there were many, I, I couldn't believe, in fact, how many there were Canucks fans who were a little nervous about the activities of Rutherford and Alvin bringing in a frontline front line player to disrupt chemistry. I mean, I, I understand the shout that things were going so well for the Vancouver Canucks. Why would you mess with something that isn't broken? Now, big picture, long term, I certainly believe that Elias Lindholm makes them a better hockey club and is going to be valuable in many areas of the game, including penalty killing, including five on five, including right handed face offs as we go go through the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs. But this is one of the reasons why Jim Rutherford and many of us who are on the outside looking in believe if you're going to make a big move, make it well in advance of the deadline. Give your player, that your addition, as much runway as possible to integrate with the new team and feel comfortable before the Stanley Cup playoffs start. How many times have we seen it, Blake, in the past where a guy gets added at the deadline, you know, can be a jarring experience for a player, new team, new City, new accommodations, often away from the family, new set of teammates, and gets off to a sluggish start and just doesn't really have the impact that the acquiring team would hope. And oftentimes, I believe that's because they just don't have enough games before the Stanley Cup playoffs start. Now, if you look at this year's trade deadline, March 8th, the Vancouver Canucks have that uh, ridiculous nine-game homestand immediately thereafter. I call it ridiculous just because I've never seen that in the National Hockey League. They literally do not leave the city of Vancouver for an entire month. So they have that nine-game homestand, uh, and then they get an April schedule where you have eight more games. So you eight would have more games in seven, April. So you would have 17 games, which means Elias Lindholm would be halfway through those games if they had acquired him right at the deadline. Yeah. Instead, now he's got eight more games in April. He's got the nine in March. He's got a few more before the end of February here, uh, not to mention a three-game roadie at the beginning of March. So he's got oodles of time to figure this out and integrate, not to mention Rick Tockett and the coaching staff has oodles of time to fix this power play. Yeah, and, and I would think the easiest fix for him right now like he's got a reset button. They played a certain system for a long time. Try it again. Try it again. Go back to old faithful here. Get JT Miller yeah. on that left flank 
where he can walk down or sorry, uh, yes, where he can walk down and be dangerous, mm-hmm. right, as a shooter or as a setup guy. And two right-hand shots, yeah. See how it works, you know, as a bumper and as a net front. Well, they had Besser open on that last power play, and they just, for whatever reason, didn't want to go over to him. And maybe mm-hmm. it's just it's weird to integrate that right away, but we've seen Ovechkin, Line A, Stamkos all have success in the past in that spot. That last late power play, literally, I don't know if anybody moved. Like, it was unbelievable. No. Like, how about escape behind the net, reset, make them move to chase you, like, anything they just stood there looking at the same passing options and did nothing i and i wonder if rick Tockett is is rending his garments to borrow a tony gallagher phrase uh on the bench or you know if he's just if that's what he wanted to see at that moment i can't imagine that's the case but um i I would hope they finally pull the trigger on on a change do we have that power play clip grady yes we do okay let's hear it yes let's hear from rick Tockett on the power play specifically well, the adjustments you got to, you know, we got to, we got to start to defer and shoot some pucks. Instead of defer and shoot the puck, be a little more decisive. Um, you know, get some pucks to the net. I don't think we're getting the pucks to the net. But we got to make sure we start getting pucks to the net. I mean, sure, but you know, there was a lot of bodies in front there too, which can be good and bad, I suppose. But such a skilled team, you'd think you could rely on more than just shooting a puck into a crowd and, and hoping. Um, getting those players again in movement. Um, we saw some beautiful goals last year, of course, through the bumper. Beautiful goals this year on the flanks. Try to get back there. Matt Fogler on YouTube, and hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Matt. He says, watching the Winnipeg and Colorado games, you can see this team is very legit 5-on-5. Five five. Yes. Special teams got to get yes. things figured out. Yes, there were segments of the game last night where the Vancouver Canucks are absolutely controlling play and creating that pressure and making it difficult for Colorado to break out of their own zone. And you have large enough swaths of that sort of play, and that is the earmark of a pretty good team. Mm -hmm. So we'll give them that. Now, can I get back to something else we were talking about earlier in the week? Sure. Because I'm not sure you heard my mouth on that. Oh, okay. And I would wonder if things have changed now. After a ridiculously soft high-sticking penalty on JT Miller, it was more like a high glove than a high stick. And then how about Ian Cole and that marginal, to put it politely, tripping penalty in the final minutes, which really hurts their ability to come back. And if you look at it, Ian Cole is having a conversation with one of the officials prior to the face-off and that shift where he takes the penalty, where he's assessed the penalty, perhaps. I should put it that way. Uh, that penalty comes with three minutes and 30 seconds left against Ross Colton, and it derails the Canucks opportunity to a large extent. I can't to- help but think Cole was talking to the officials at that point about the abuse that Baines was taking when they misconstrued where the puck was. The puck had been iced, and McCarr yes. and somebody else were were uh, hooking Baines and pushing Baines' back down mm-hmm. onto the ice when the puck was nowhere near. And I, and I couldn't help but believe that Ian Cole is going, how is that not interference? The puck's down mm-hmm. there, and they're doing that to him. Uh, I couldn't believe Philip Ronick missed that empty net that he was presented with and a too. chance to talk. Yeah. But, well, he's got to get the shot off quicker. No, he but can't be winding up like that. Guys, do, do we think some of the Canucks whining about the officials, particularly Tyler Myers oh, after yeah. Saturday's game, I felt like we were playing two teams. Do you not think these officials are clapping back? 
Yes. Based on what we saw in the Minnesota so. game no. and the call, I absolutely think so. Oh Mike. yeah, without no. a doubt, I absolutely think refs so. Refs talk, you know. Do they ever? We've seen. Take no look no further than Major League Baseball. How some of those guys are so soft skinned, and of course they protect the fraternity. But every team does that throughout the season. Every team complains about the no, officiating Blake, throughout no, the season. Not every, not every team says it felt like we were playing two teams out there. When when Myers went to that, the playing two teams, that crossed the line for these guys. Mark my words. And you watch tomorrow in Seattle. They may not be done with them yet. This is officiating in Gary Bettman's league. Wow. And personal vendettas are played out all the time. Look no further than Stefan Oje and Alex Burroughs. And poor officiating isn't going anywhere. And you bet come playoff time, mm-hmm. it's only going to get worse. Good teams got to battle through Even that. Even Ron yes. McLean, the, uh, the ever apologist for the officials the other day, uh, I think it was just last week, was talking about... Uh, they had to make a makeup call. Like he, even he was acknowledging the re- the like saying the quiet part well, out loud the makeup about makeup calls, calls happen like all the time, and for some that might be a little more understandable than the pure vendetta calls. But when you make a mistake, you you just made the mistake. Put it behind you. Be better. Right. Don't make two mistakes. That's not how this league works, Blake. Well, in I, fact, that's not how a lot of officiating works. I mean, I, I would hope that in this modern world. You see world, that in the NBA as well. I would hope in this modern world, especially when communications are so um, easily leaked and that sort of thing, I think any sort of communique of, guys, you see what happened with, with Myers last night? Don't let him make a fool of us. Like, uh, I, Blake, I, at this point, I think it's so cultural amongst the officials, it doesn't even need to be spoken or communicated. So it's subconscious I, I, I or? Think, I think NHL referees, much like you, me, and everybody else, is out there on social media, are out there reading reading about the games, reading about the league, mm-hmm. and they see Tyler Myers say, it felt like we were playing two teams tonight. That's it. That's the trigger. Oh, yeah? Okay. We'll show you. I could see that as a trigger for an individual player, like if, if, if that player does something silly, but against the that player's team, ah. I, I, I mean, I just uh, – how do you explain those calls? Blake, you know this league. How often does the team that's trailing get a ridiculously soft tripping penalty called against them in the final few minutes of a hockey game? Yeah, not often, but, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's almost heartening that they don't fall into the trope of, oh, let's give them the power play to see if they can get back into it. Right, like that's game management of oh, let's create a dramatic ending. Yeah, you know. And again, you referenced T. Gallagher earlier, and I'll reference him again. As Tony said, for years and years and years, it's not a directive; it's just these guys understand what kind of league their bosses are trying to create. Yeah, and their bosses are trying to create a parody field filled league where there's excitement right down to the final horn. That's right. And so if there can be a power play for a team that trails by a goal in the final three or four minutes of a hockey game, they are absolutely looking to make that call, create that power play and that excitement down the end of the game. Last night, we saw something inverse of that. Why did we see it? Again, I'll go back to the Canucks complaining about the officials after the game against Winnipeg on Saturday night. Uh, Rick Dollywall reports that there will be no games for Phil Kessel this week with the Abbotsford Canucks that he continues to skate. It has now been one week since he stepped foot on Abbey Center Ice. 
and looked out of breath between drills, did not look in particularly great skating shape, game shape to be expected when you've been out for 10 months. But what's your feeling in terms of where this is going with Phil Kessel at this stage of the game? Well, I mean, that was day one, so no surprise that he was uh, out of breath. Uh, And it would have been really rushing things for him to get inserted into the two games that they had versus Calgary last weekend. And, of course, what about this week, though? This week they're on the road. Mm -hmm. So he's not traveling with the team unless I think he's got some sort of PTO signed. So I'm guessing he's with the skills coach and and working hard under the tutelage of – uh, hey, you know, maybe the twins are out there with him right now and, and looking at him a little bit more closely, but it's due diligence. Why even bother with the PTO and taking up a roster spot of a, a developing player uh, on your American League game night roster um, if you really think this is a non-starter? So I think they want to make sure it's a a question and not a non-starter before they even get to that stage. So um, I... I uh, if he gets through another weekend with no news, then I think that's that's probably a bigger harbinger of bad yep. things. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, although I am starting to get the sense and the vibe that this isn't going to work out. And, and there, there's part of me that wonders whether um, Rick Tockett, who uh, was very close with Phil Kessel in Pittsburgh, not to mention Alvin and Rutherford, who also know Kessel from Pittsburgh, helped them win a pair of Stanley Cups there. Uh, there's part of me that's beginning to wonder, did they throw Kessel and his agent a bone here? We'll bring Phil in, and maybe that will lead to other opportunities if it doesn't work out here. I would have been way more heartened if his year last year was his year in 20-21. Well, but, I mean, therein lies the rub here. Father time is that's what unde- I'm saying. undefeated. So if this is <laughs> if this is a two-year younger Phil Kessel coming off a 20-goal, 43-point season with the Arizona Coyotes, then I'm a little bit like, okay, give him some time. We're, but he was merely acceptable as a Vegas Golden Knight. Like a 14-goal winger, I don't think you're desperate to get into your lineup. I think the Canucks have a lot of 14-goal wingers. Mm-hmm. So And that's over 82 games. I, with with some power play opportunity, 14 goals. Mm-hmm. So it's got to look really good, I think, for the Canucks to be tempted. I think we got to see what he looks like in an AHL game before we can. I think a couple. Oh, yeah. of course you yeah. do. Yeah. Of course you do. I just, uh, I'm starting to get a feeling on this. Spidey uh, senses. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, um, and there's no real rush here minus the actual trade deadline when you have to have him on the roster. So they can yep. be patient they've with them. They've got time. Yep. They've called up Baines, and they've got a couple injuries, so maybe they speed this up and a bit. And let's face it, Archie Baines looking as good as he did is not good news for Phil Kessel. Like, no. You know, they'd much rather develop well, the young kid and give him a good look rather than Phil Kessel, who wasn't good enough for the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs last year. And, and that's the conversation that we we had last week is that if this works out with Phil Kessel, does that block an Archdeep Baines? Does that block a Vasily Putkols and an Atu Ratu or whomever you fancy as an Abbotsford forward to bring on up here? And the other conversation we had was if anyone from Abbotsford was going to have an effect on the Stanley Cup playoffs, they probably needed to be called up in the next four to six weeks so they had enough games left in the regular season 
to make that impression on Rick Talkin and the coaching staff. Yeah. And that's one of the best parts of this Archie Baines story is that he's been called up here with enough runway Good sweet to spot. make yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely to make an impression on the coaching staff and be considered for the opening night lineup in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but he looked good yesterday. Of course, McCaff hasn't looked good. Uh, you're, you're, you're marching towards the deadline on the 8th of March, and whether or not you want to add that depth forward, if Archdeep Baines can make an impression in the games between now and March 8th, maybe Alvin and Rutherford take a look at it and go, you know what? We feel like we're good at forward. We've got enough depth there. Let's make an addition on defense as opposed to up front. Now, R.C. Baines isn't going to dissuade you from Jake Gensel's or do different needs. But maybe, no. maybe. But if Baines puts together more games like this, he, maybe he does dissuade you from the real peripheral depth winger trade. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just looking for a guy in case, maybe you don't bother flipping that third, fourth rounder for that guy um, if Baines puts together some consistent efforts like last night. And on the trade deadline front, you mentioned Gensel, who, of course, is out right now. Pittsburgh with a tough loss, albeit they pick up a point against Bo Horvat and the New York Islanders. Their playoff hopes really dwindling here, and so you wonder if they're going to be selling. Uh, but another example for seller GMs that get to your business now, don't risk the asset being hurt, former Vancouver Canuck, Nick Dowd, centerman, Washington Capitals, as Frank Saravelli has told us, because he's got term and because he's on a good contract, he could well fetch a first-round pick at the deadline. He gets hurt, upper body injury last night in the Washington win over New Jersey. Head coach Spencer Carberry saying he's day-to-day but will not travel with the team on the trip. So you've got Gensel hurt, you've got Dowd hurt, you've had Chris Tanif walking up and down tunnels in Calgary. Yeah. The signs are there for some of these sellers that you're probably wise to get to moving right now some of these deadline trade targets as opposed to waiting things out, trying to squeeze more out of your would-be trade partners with the uh, fear of loss leverage of March 8th and making moves. Because uh, i got to say, I'm pretty surprised. We saw Lindholm, we saw Monaghan in short order, and we have seen not a whole lot since. No. On the trade deadline file. Hampus Lindholm hurt for Boston. You wonder whether that forces them you into You have it. to think there's one seller that's like, okay, we're not going to be one of those teams. We, yeah, we need exactly. to extract value out of this guy, so he, he has to move. Let's get to our menu for today, and it's brought to you by Greta, 70 West Cordova. Come join us Thursday evening. Doors open at 6 $10 tickets, you can get them nationgear.ca, but hurry up, we're running short there. Great food, prizes, drink specials, we'll watch some hockey and raise some money for Canucks Place Children's Hospice. That's Thursday, starting at 6 p.m., Greta, 70, West Cordova. Irf Gaffar is going to join us, playing to talk about there with Archie Baines, plus the Canucks trade deadline activity. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, pretty good Canadian derby going on in the world of golf to earn Olympic berths because it is a summer Olympic year, 2024. We'll off to Paris in July. Uh, Patrick Johnson is going to join us as well. Plus then uh, Casey Grable from Greta is going to join us. 
Best Bets, a presentation of Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook and casino. And uh, along the lines of the uh, NHL trades that you're talking about, uh, Kyle Dubas said that he's uh, going to wait to see what the next two weeks brings before a final decision is made on Jay Gensel. The Montreal Canadiens can maybe shorten that a little bit. One more loss tomorrow for the Penguins. Does does that two weeks start to shorten if they lose three in a row, four in a row, five in a row? Canadians are at 280 to go in and spoil the party in Pittsburgh. That's pretty good value, too. Yep. I looked at the field at the Mexico Open this week's PGA Tour stop, and with all due respect to Canadian Taylor Pendrith, who has had some decent results, but when he's the fifth betting choice, it probably means you don't have the strongest of fields coming off the California swing. Tony Finau won this tournament last year and is far and away the best player in the field. Plus, it's golf, so the value's there. You get him at 9-1. to one. Yeah, that's good value. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino. Custom props and parlays you won't find anywhere else. Speaking directly to you, the Vancouver sports fans. Scan the code, get a 200% welcome bonus from Sakaris and Price. It's Sports Interaction. Bet local, must be 19 years of age, and please play responsibly. Irv Gafar is next. Irv Gafar joins us now. He's been joining Jeff on Rinkwide. Uh, the new guy. What did you make of the new guy last night, Irv? Well, to start, let's just, I, I mean, I tweeted it out. An Indo-Canadian male who grew up in Surrey rode the King George Expo line to hockey games as a kid gets to make his NHL debut for his hometown team he grew up watching. I mean, the story writes itself. Credit to him. Undrafted in the WHL, undrafted in the NHL, was the AHL All-Star MVP this season. The guys worked his you-know-what off to get to this point. Happy for him, happy for his family. And he didn't go in there and was completely lost. I think he went in there and he showed some signs of being a hockey player and being able to handle his own. The Canucks, you know, obviously earned him with this or gave him an opportunity with the season that he's been having to to come up to the big club and, you know, make some NHL money. But, you know, I think I think a couple games down, he doesn't pass to Brock on that two on one. He shoots it and he hits the net on the one that he missed. That could be a goal and it could be a whole different thing we're talking about. Oh, he sets up Bluger twice right in front. Uh, There was the early chance walking in with the screen. Off the right wing? No, it was a uh, it was a fabulous. Luger was snake bit. Like they're blue- no, truly. Like uh, our Steve Baines could have two or three points last night. Uh, the way that game went down, and Earth maybe makes his Rogers Arena debut Saturday against Boston, or even Tuesday against Pittsburgh. Like just amazing stuff here going forward. Oh, it's great! It's great, and and I think the story obviously it's. It's huge. Just the fourth Punjabi player, obviously, to make his debut in the NHL. And then there's just so many storylines that you can go. There's a whole community here, obviously, in the lower mainland and around the NHL. That's that's just really happy for this kid. But can you imagine? I mean, obviously, he grew up watching his home debut against the Boston Bruins. Like, it's just this sort of stuff just writes itself. It's great. Well, yeah. it, it, you know, and for people that, you know, we've been hearing a lot with the PWHL launching is that, um, you know, in that case, girls need to know what's possible. Um 
you know, th- this is again just a reminder. It's possible for the Indo-Canadian community, right? Like it, 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 it can be slow sometimes that progress, and you want it to, uh, to be a little bit faster. And you'd think that, you know, all these years after Robin Bawa, that there would have been more. But let's hope that with you know media being what it is, that you know that that's setting forth some dreams, isn't it? No, absolutely. And I think for anyone watching, and you know, you grow up, you want to be a broadcaster, you grow up, you want to be a hockey player, you want to do something in the sports world. It's it's not just for women, it's it's for Indo Canadians, it's for anyone, any walks mm-hmm. of life. You someone see someone that's kind of achieving their dream and, and and doing some crazy things at a high level, uh, you know, anything's really possible if you put your 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 mind to it. And I think the biggest thing is for for me and him is you have to credit his family. I, I really do. The mom, dad, the mom, his mom and his dad, and and the way that he was raised. Um, obviously, a, a young man with a very, very good head on his shoulders and extremely good work ethic. You know who's well, also happy about all this? Piesta Resistance dad on the trip, oh, watching, yeah. taking it in. And well, fortunate that it just happens to be the dad's trip too, so yeah. he gets to have that. But you know what? Who's also really happy about this? Those twenty-year-olds in the WHL that lead the league in scoring as undrafted guys, because he's not alone like there's a lot of undrafted guys and in their 20 year old season in in the chl um lead that league and still maybe they get an ahl contract offer but this is proof hey you know yeah you're 20 years old leading the chl but that's still pretty darn good and i I think maybe the next guy that's in that place that's undrafted and leading a chl maybe he's gonna get a little bit of a deeper look if a guy like rc baines can make something of this no, 100%. And I mean, there's always that, you know, decision you have to make. Are you going to end up going the college route? Are you going to stay in the CHL? Do you want to go and get your education? Or do you think that there's an opportunity? I mean, R.C. Baines is proving that, yes, you know, if you put your mind to it and do and do put in the work, there is that opportunity. I mean, it doesn't happen to everyone. There's a lot of diamonds in the rough, but teams will definitely be going out there and looking that this is, you know, an example of maybe pay a little bit more attention to some of these kids that are that that are in their 20s and putting up some big numbers. Well, and it's a good point, Blake, because the NCAA free agent is more likely to make it than the CHL. Right. Free agent uh, in a lot of cases. Earth, before he did his rookie lap, he touched the ground, he touched his heart. Uh, take us through that. I, I understand this is uh, something that he does often. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he does it every game. I think it's a sign of basically going into the battlefield for for war. And I think it's a it's older. It's 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 a touch of like pride, and and it's one of those things. And 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 I think it's it's something that he's kept with him, and he's very near and dear to his heart. And obviously, he cares a lot about where he's from. Um, he understands, you know, the history of of who he is as a person, and and where culturally what he's had to go through and what his parents have had to go through to get him to where he needs to be. And I think it's just one of those things where it's, you know, it's, it's a very simple thing. Um, he went and does it. I think he does it almost every game and, and it's, 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 it's a sign of respect. Uh, moving. Well, not quite moving on, but in terms of uh, we're talking Houston, the fit on that line with Bluger and with Garland, what do you make of that? They had some chances. I mean, I think that that was the one thing where you looked at it and said he didn't go in and looked out of place, but Bluger buries a couple of chances. I mean, you mentioned it. He could have had two or three points there in in his debut for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, obviously, when Dakota Joshua comes back from injury, there's going to be some movement there. Um, we'll see if Arshdeep can stick around. I'm not entirely sure if he's going to be the guy that, you know, is going to be the guy that gets to stay up here with the big club. Because if he's not playing here, I really don't think that there's a reason to keep him here. If he's playing in the American League and putting up the numbers and having the season that he is, you need to have him keep playing games. So the fit was good for the first game. I wonder if there's an opportunity for him to move up in the lineup. 
you know, if, if, if they're going to shake things up some more. I don't know if the Pia Suter experiment or how long that's going to last with JT Miller and Brock Besser. So if you're going to want to give a kid with a chance, maybe get his legs under him even better or, or even more, why not, you know, put, put, put him up with uh, JT Miller. With that chemistry, though, my goodness, uh, I don't know that you'd want to break it up now. He's, he looks like he's a member of that third line, um, but it, it sounds like you think he's in versus the Kraken, though. Yeah, I think if Dakota Joshua can't come back, I think that you give him another shot. I mean, if Joshua's hurt and, and still unable to, you know, be able to play in the game, I, I think why not? I think that's the easy answer. Um, obviously, the good storyline is that it, it is still the the father's and mentor's trip and his dad's still on it. So, you know, maybe get him in again and then kind of see what happens when you come back to Vancouver. But the way that he played, I know I understand that he was minus two. And, you know, the fancy stats didn't really suggest that he had a great game. But that's if you want to read the game. If you actually want to watch the game and see what he did and see the impact that he had when he was on the ice with his minutes, you almost have to put him in again if you're Rick Tockett. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, two and a half weeks here till trade deadline. Do you think there's any chance the Vancouver Canucks take a, another last go at Elias Patterson and see if he's willing to re-sign before March 8th? It's a tough one because I think that at one point, you know, the Canucks are willing to talk. They've been very clear that they're willing to talk and and, and wanting to, you know, engage in negotiations with CAA. And Elias Pettersson has maintained, you know, his stance from the beginning is we want to talk after the season's over and then I'll figure it out when the season's over. I think that if you're the Vancouver Canucks and if you're going to CAA and, and his camp and, you know, there's not really a response and they keep saying that we're going to wait, let's wait until the end of the season. You're not going to publicly say that you're upset or, or, or angry about it, but I think it is a little disappointing. He's one of the two cornerstones of your franchise. I guess you can put Thatcher Demko in there, but it's really Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Now Quinn does have his long-term contract, but what's with 40 and is it, is it him? You know, we've heard that, you know, saying that, you know, maybe a change of scenery or sort of things like that was something. And then the media attention and, and, and everything that happens that in this city is, is a little bit different. Elias Pettersson is, is a different guy. He's, he's not wired the same as some of these, some of these different NHLers. So it's interesting because I, I, I'm not entirely sure that the longer this goes, there's going to be a positive solution to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Is he going to sign yeah. a short term deal? Is it going to be a long term deal? That's the thing that we were talking about in the beginning of the season is what's it going to be for Elias Patterson? Is it going to be short term or long term? And now we're sitting here and saying that, are they even talking? What's the conversation going to happen at the end of the season when they do talk? Mm -hmm. Is there, do they move on to try and get Philip Ronick or say Dakota, uh, Dakota Joshua done? before the trade deadline, Earth, And then is it just too much of a political minefield to go to Elias, Lin Elias Lindholm and start those discussions before Patterson? Um, yeah. Before, uh, before you're engaged with Patterson. I think the Lindholm one is going to be on the back burner a little bit. I think they want to take care of, you know, their quote unquote, their guys first. Elias Patterson obviously is the number one. Uh, Teddy Bluger is a guy that they want to resign as well. Um, I mean, if I'm Joshua... I'm not sure that the Canucks can afford me if this for the season that I'm putting up and what I can go out and make in free agency. Like nope. he's probably thinking two million minimum for him, and I'm not sure the Canucks want to pay him that. To be completely honest, you know, you hope you can, and you hope that you're going to have enough cap space to be able to do those things. And you know that Philip Ronick's number is going to start with an eight, right? And and that's that that's going to be the ask from his agency, and as it should. I mean, you know, guys get paid. I have no problem with guys going to get their money, and then if. You know, they can convince a team to sign him to that contract. Go ahead and do it. But 
it is Elias Pedersen. I, I think that, you know, they've made it very clear that Pedersen is their guy and, and, and they want to be able to, to do this and, and, you know, have a long-term contract. But at some point you, you're right, Matt, you have to look at everything else and, and figure it out. I think that they know in the back of their mind, what their number is. I really do. I think that they've budgeted and they know what it's going to cost, whether it's a short-term deal or a long-term deal, the Canucks have to know. Now it's really on Elias Patterson and his camp as to what they want to do. The wild game and to some degree the Jets game instilled some defensive panic, uh, certainly amongst some Canucks fans, if not Canucks management themselves. Had a lot of people talking about the need for Chris Tanev again, but we know that cost is reportedly exorbitant. Do you think the Flames have, have been tabled any first round pick offers just yet are they still waiting for somebody to meet that price do you think he's gonna ultimately shake loose of the flames well i think if they were offered a first round pick for chris tanev and they didn't trade him with that pick then that's all that's that's that that's a big mistake by the calgary flames right i think that there was talk that there's second round picks now being thrown around for a guy like him there's three or four teams involved i mean you almost I wonder what Chris Tanev's going through. You know, his name's been in those trade rumors for, for a couple of years now. And he's, he's always either A, made it through a deadline, B, never been moved. And, and C, this is one of those times. Like, they have his 10-team no-trade list. They know exactly where he doesn't want to go to. There was a link to the Ottawa Senators. Now, I don't know if it went as far as going to Chris Tanev and him being like, well, they're not on my list. I'm not going there with an extension from the Senators. So that could have been an interesting one. Um, but I, I think that of the contenders, you know, you look at the Dallas Stars, the Toronto Maple Leafs obviously have always been a name um, linked to Chris Tanev uh, here in Vancouver as well. So it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks to see where and who panics the most if you're a team and is willing to give up that first round pick. Because I think once other teams start to make moves. It's kind of the domino effect starts to happen. And probably about a week before the deadline, maybe five or six days, or even the night before, have we seen in some cases where things start to go absolutely wild. Yeah, and um, you do wonder whether injuries to Jake Gensel, Nick Dowd left the game last night for Washington, get uh, some of these selling GMs a little uneasy yeah. and get them uh, pushed in the direction of a trade. Okay, let's say it's not Tanev, Earth. Um, do they pivot to Sean Walker then? And is the costs not too dissimilar for Walker out of Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, it might be. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent after this season. So there, so there definitely is that you're going to have to resign him. And I, I read something that was saying that, you know, he's in a unique situation right now. It feels like, you know, you're not a guy that's usually normally wanted, you know, or, or, or this coveted at this point in the season, but with the way things are, with the way cap is with, there's just not that much out there. You almost have to if you're a team. And he's a guy that kind of fits their mold. He's a right shot defenseman. He's 29 years old and he's playing. He's having a pretty good season. The thing is, do the Philadelphia Flyers think that they're a team that can go on a little bit of a run here? Do they want to try and keep them? Do they want to try and extend them to maybe get make the playoffs here? I know that the guys love playing for John Tortorella down there. And these are kind of building something that is pretty good. But if someone's willing to give you a first or second round pick or, or something, for a guy like Sean Walker, you almost have to look at it if you're the Flyers. Yeah, he's a better uh, offensive player. He plays roughly the same minutes as Tanef, and he's almost half the cost, so he's a little easier to fit cap-wise without Mm -hmm. any other moves. Would the Canucks consider reworking the defense, you know, uh, trying to add an extra right-handed shot? Like, is there anybody departing the defense, do you think? I think, I mean, look, we've covered this team for a long time and watched them every single game for, for a while. The defense has been their biggest issue. For a long time. And I think you have some sort of, you have stop gaps in there. The Noel Juleson story is a great story. 
you know, the Zadorov thing, it's, it's great. He's big, he's physical, he's tough to play against and all that. But they still don't have the depth. I mean, if Susie comes back, can you really trust him in the playoffs with the way that he's been hurt this season? And then if, God forbid, someone gets hurt, is your next call up Mark Friedman? Like, you need to have some more defensive depth. You know, if one of your top guys goes down, who's going to come in and be able to play those big minutes, to eat those big minutes, to play that playoff type of hockey that this team wants to play? So, yeah, I think that they do need to rework it a little bit. And I think you need to add some guys, not just one, but two, if you're going into the postseason. Yeah, one of them can be a guy that's, you know, a 7-8 defenseman, but you might want a guy that's in there that's able to play everyday minutes. What about uh, McCaff or what's his future with the Vancouver Canucks between now and March 8th? I think if you're the coaching staff, hopefully be able to play a consistent hockey game. He was good in the first period. He was decent in the first period against the Colorado Avalanche. Then he disappeared. And I think that that's the troubling part about him this season. He's just never been the same. He's never been the guy that they acquired, to be completely honest. You know, the guy that played for the Leafs, the guy was that was tenacious on pucks, that went into the four-checking zone, that, that went and retrieved pucks for his centerman. He really hasn't been that guy. And I think it's the unfortunate part is because that's a guy that they paid a lot of money to. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're, you know, actively shopping a guy like him, but if a team called for his services, I'm, I'm sure the Canucks are definitely listening as they should to, to a lot of their guys, you know, you're in the business of winning hockey games and improving your team. And if you think your team's good enough to make a Stanley cup, you're going to look at every option to try and improve your hockey club. Lastly, Phil Kessel, uh, What's the next step here if there's any step with Phil Kessel and the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, I think for him, just trying to get into game shape without playing games. And it's probably one of the most difficult things to do if, you, if, if, if you're if you an NHL player, right? Dude hasn't skated in forever. And he hasn't skated and competed at a high level in a very, very long time. I understand the experience. I understand the pedigree. I, I get the resume. But at some point, you're going to want him to play games if you're really considering it, whether that, that, that that's in the American League and, you, you know, you get him into some game thing situations. So I just think right now it's a wait and see process to, to what the next step is, to be completely honest. I think they're going to get him on the ice as much as they can, working with their skill guys down there and hope that they're in a position where they come back next week and, and, and they're at home and they have some discussions with Alvin and Rutherford and, and, and see where this progresses, if it does. Yeah. I'm starting to have my doubts at this stage. Uh, Great stuff, Irv. Thank you for the time. Keep on keeping on with Jeff, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Secure some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Ford in Port Hardy has the legendary Ford F-150. You know you want it. 2023 editions still available. With financing starting from 0% on select trims. Give them a call at Applewood Ford and Port Hardy. It is all good at Applewood. Whole question today, how you feeling after three straight losses? Fine? They're in first place. We're concerned. You can vote at Sakerson Price, Twitter, YouTube. Speaking of Twitter, hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com. I'm going to start us off at BC Lions. Quote, it's a huge honor for me to be under center for this great organization, for at least three more years. Yes, contract extension for Vernon Adams, the quarterback of the BC Lions, who last year led the Canadian Football League in passing yards, in total yards, in 300-yard passing games with 10. I mean, that's more than half the time. Uh, In most passing yards in a game, he hit the high for the league last year at 458. He was second in the league with 32 
total touchdowns, did a sensational job stepping in for Nathan Rourke. Big shoes to fill. And it's good news that he's going to be here through 2026. Quarterbacks are not exactly dime a dozen these days. Not so right now. When you no. got one, probably no. hold on to it. No, exactly. A bit of an ebb uh, right now in CFL quarterbacking. And, you know, we see this. Uh, it's a bit of a roller coaster in that regard. But, yeah, in, in one respect, it has gotten tougher to get and keep the great quarterback in the Canadian Football League because – while the NFL is far more amenable to the dual-threat quarterback than it used to be, yep. of course. And NFL teams are also got uh, expanded practice rosters, so it allows them to keep extra quarterbacks around that in previous years otherwise would have matriculated to the CFL, not to mention this UFL that's still going, the uh, joint venture now between the old U.S. and XFLs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it makes financial sense for Nathan Rourke to stay down in the NFL practice roster or mm-hmm. not for as long as he can. But how much longer does he want to do that? Is it just one more I year? I would think it's uh, one more year. I would think if Nathan Rourke doesn't get uh, any kind of real opportunity in 2024, then you might be looking at a Nathan Rourke comeback to the CFL in 2025. Now, of course, there's no guarantee he's going to sign with the BC Lions. I also saw that Chris Strebler, now back with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers after spending some time with the Cardinals and the Jets in the NFL, talked about how he reached out to Nathan and said, look, uh, understand, tough. You know, it's a uh, much different animal, the NFL, very political, highs, lows, and he offered basically uh, his service and his guidance to Nathan if it's getting him down. Yeah, it's uh, it can be a long slog without playing games uh at sportico netflix has ordered a documentary about the montreal expos and the events surrounding the major league baseball team's departure in Mm -hmm. 2004 there have been some documentary sort of stuff uh, on this topic before but if the if it's done right this could be the best edition of it well especially especially if you get all the principles involved from the jeffrey Loria, David Sampson side of things, the final ownership group before Major League Baseball had to take it over. But the star-studded team, too, of the year previous, um, you know, to talk about the robbery of of what they had, um, you know, I think that's going to be interesting, too, is to talk to all those amazing players in the mid-'90s that were on the precipice of a World Series. right. And how that might have changed the fortunes of the oh, team. Unquestionably. And then they're robbed of it. Yeah. Um, August 12th, 1994, with the Expos in first place, Major League Baseball players went on strike. And sadly, when they came back in the early days of uh, April 1995, the team was gutted. And that, I mean, the outfield alone yeah. was... Incredible with Moises Alou and Marquis. I Christian. wonder if there's a few secrets still to be told. Yeah, that story, no, I'm looking. Know? I am looking forward to it. At CF underscore transactions, cap friendly transactions. IR to LTIR. Jack Eichel, center, Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights needed to create salary cap space so that Aldergrove Shea Theodore could return to the lineup. They did so by putting Jack Eichel on LTIR, creating nearly $8 million in LTIR space right before the deadline, Blake. Gosh, 
Funny how that worked out. Mm. Uh, but Mark Stone also got hurt. Yes, he for did. For the Vegas Golden Knights. So this team that was replete with injuries last year, which A, may have hurt them in the regular season, but B, allowed them. And, and they weren't sort of the most active deadline team last year, but Barbashev clearly was a great addition. Uh, allowed them some financial and cap flexibility to add to their lineup and then, of course, went on to win the Stanley Cup. Well, they've got something similar going on. Big injuries to important players this year, Stone, Eichel, Theodore, but now the opportunity to bolster that lineup. I mean, it's a scary enough lineup as it is, Blake, to think that they might emerge, and we talked to John Shannon about this yesterday, to think that they might emerge with one of the bigger deadline prices. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit scary that they could. And the Canucks, you're on notice here too, right? Like, you know, Vegas is not thinking about several years down the road. They are all in. Yeah, it's uh, they find a way to add players with LTIR this year. People will be livid, like absolutely livid. But this is sort of the method to building a cup champion. This is the Tampa model. Yeah. And part and parcel, one of the things that goes with that is being in a uh, good tax jurisdiction for players. Yeah. That's the other thing that has become a common theme amongst cup winners. Um, At Matt Tomic, L-M-A-O. This is piling on a story we've talked about here, but it's getting worse and worse. Fanatics' new jerseys are so trash that their customer service team is responding Oops, that looks wrong. Please contact us so we can replace your screwed up jersey order. Not realizing they're replying to a photo of an actual MLB player's actual MLB uniform. Michael Chavis of the Mariners went to Instagram to show his jersey in his locker hanging with the zero. He's a number 10. The zero is about an inch and a half below the one. Like, like it, it looks like a second. And he sends that out on DM with a mm-hmm uh, attached to it. And Fanatics responds, hey there, looks like we dropped the ball on this one. Send me a DM so I can learn more about this. People are like, that's a Major League Baseball player. It's not a customer. I believe he will have an equipment manager or four that will look after that for him. Yeah. But, I mean, this is this is beyond the pale at this point. Like when is like when is this not um, breach of contract for Major League <laughs> Baseball that they go and find somebody else to do it? Mm-hmm. Like if they want out, I'm sure they could get out sooner the better. Seems like a bot response. Almost. It does seem like a bot <laughs> response. I joked with the stanchion on Twitter. I can't remember who like just ordered my new you know so and so jersey. And Fanatic screwed it up, and then I got the same message. Oh, really? Back. Yeah, it wasn't even real. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Uh, was it Clay Thompson the other day who got a question and went, "That sounds like a bot question." <laughs> really? <laughs> I think it was Clay, but I could be wrong. Uh, where am I? Oh, at Adam underscore Stanley. Canada's Olympic golf rankings on the men's side continues to be something to keep a serious eye on through the year. Last week, Nick Taylor in, Adam Hadwin out. This week, Adam Hadwin in, Corey Connors out. 
Currently, it's the Abbotsford boys, Nick and Adam, who would claim mm. the two Olympic spots for, of course, golf in its third Olympics since returning. It was a sport way back when and then came back for uh, Brazil and Rio. Uh, so Corey Connors would be the guy on the outside looking in now, only two per country. And Adam, uh, Adam Hadwin, who he'd sort of said, ah, oh, I guess I think the beginning of the end is near maybe for, for Adam. And he has a fabulous result last week. So mm-hmm. he can really putt. Yeah. You know, when, when the flat stick is going for Adam, he is, he can compete with any field. And Nick Taylor has clearly learned how to putt in clutch. Like, to say the least. So the, the, I wonder if Taylor's going to have a big year. Is that hashtags for today? It's hashtags for today. Patrick Johnson covers the Canucks for the province and post media. He joins us today. Uh, we'll start with the poll question. After three straight losses, where are you at? Concerned? Fine. Uh, concerned, I guess, if you make me pick something. Mm. Um, Feel free to go off the board. We understand there's a range of emotions at play here, PJ. Um, concern feels too much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It does. Anxious. Okay. Is that a good word? Does that mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think I'm on an alert. Alert. That's a good one. Yeah. How yeah. come alert wasn't an option on the poll then? Because you don't want to, you know, I'm an English major. Come on. I'm just searching for the best uh, best word here. But you don't you don't put like 12 words down in the poll question. Come on. Alert. Yeah. And that, that works. Yeah. Like, listen, the, as I've said every week, the overall has been pretty good. The overall is still pretty good. That said... There's been some slides as we've seen. They, you know, the losses are not, un, you know, have not been unfortunate losses. They played pretty well last night. They could have won. They, they win didn't. the game with a power play, I think, right? They win the game with a power well, play. That's or it. they get a point yeah. with a power play yeah. at the very least. Well, how do you explain what we saw there with five guys standing still for two minutes? It It is, it's, it's hard to fathom. I mean, there's all the other reasons. I know Jeff's been tweeting about this and we were talking about this last weekend. Um, during the Saturday home game. Like the way they've reset their power play doesn't make any sense. Like it no. was working and they've gone away from everything that was working. So, I mean, some of it is, yeah, you get scouted out and you got to keep yourself moving and changing and all this kind of stuff. But like Rick talk, talks about, he wants his guys to move. Well, when you had JT Miller on the left flank, like he was moving into the zone every time. Like, what are we talking and, and, about? For, for everybody who said uh, they were worried about the Canucks making a big move that affected chemistry, I mm. think Elias Lindholm makes them better. But clearly, in terms of accommodating him on the power play, that has caused a trickle-down effect that has affected chemistry a little. And, and, I mean, I thought their first thought was to put him in the bumper, and I thought that made sense. Like, it, it, was, a, it was a good spot to put him. Like, obviously, he shoots right, so it's a bit of a different element there. But... I thought it. I thought it was a smart idea. He put Brock Besser net front where he's had great success all season. Um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that his obviously he he has scored again, but he hasn't scored a lot in 2024. And I don't think 
there's any coincidence that a lot of it has to do when he was taken away from the net front on the power play. Um, so there's your second item. Like, you're overthinking things here. The other thing that blows my mind, and it's, it is a much lesser thing, but the, the second unit power play, it feels like every time they step on the ice, it looks like they've never practiced together before, which is not true. They practice together all the time. But to me, is that is there just an overarching issue here? I mean, is it because Rick Tockett's trying to kind of do it himself and doesn't have a specialist coach on the power play, is letting the players kind of run the show themselves? You know, like, you, you give them leeway because they know how to play the game. These guys have had success. But sometimes you just need someone to say, no, guys, we're doing it this way. Let's just trust me. I, I don't know. I, that second it, unit doesn't see a lot of live bullets. Like it's a 90 no. second first unit power play. So I do feel bad for them sometimes when they come out at a yeah. buck 40 on the power play and they're like, what, what are we going to accomplish here? You know, so yeah. I, I do feel. Yeah, no, no. Bad. But I mean, yeah. Oh, the overall for all of it is that yeah. at the end of the day, these guys should know what they're doing. They are NHL hockey players. Some of them are NHL stars verging on superstars. And the power play not playing well does not make sense. I, you know, Quinn Hughes, I mean, I, I know he spoke last night. I wasn't there, obviously. And so I don't have the audio, but it sounds like he was pretty terse again. I think that's as frustrating. I mean, Quinn Hughes obviously is learning how to be a captain. Quinn Hughes being frustrated tells you kind of everything. Like, they, uh, that talking they was are, short too. Talking, talking was short. Was short too. They're mm-hmm. feeling, you know, they're feeling antsy, right? Like, they, they themselves are on alert, if you will. Yeah. Um, that that the the power play the power play is it, it's not everything, but it's a whole lot. Like like they had to fix their five on five. It was they were pretty great last night. Other than that, maybe that early shift. Think about when McKinnon flew past Noel Jolson, and we went, "Oh boy." Yeah. But First five they, minutes. Yeah. But then they found their way, and you know, it reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of of. I was there was a the last time I covered a game in Colorado was was early last season when they uh, Bruce Boudreaux was still the coach, but th- that was like one of their best defensive efforts of the season. I don't know what it is about the Alpine Air or something, but but that th- there was good work there. They worked hard. It was in many ways similar to that game in this season in November. I mean, obviously the the Avs pulled away in the third period in that game, but but the Canucks they're, like they're matching up well. That is an important thing to understand. They're matching up well against a true Stanley Cup contender. They've just got to find that last bit. And I think that's been the other thing we've been noting, that on the whole, their record against the the better teams in the NHL remains kind of so-so. And you you need to be better if that's really what you want to be. Before we leave this game and move on to our Steve Baines and to uh, Phil Kessel and other matters, I want to read you a couple of tweets from last night and then come back and discuss. Unnamed. The Canucks played well tonight and had chances to win this game. Couple of bounces here or there, and it's a different outcome. Effort was there and a bounce back effort, just didn't get the result. Tweet two. I know Canucks fans are past moral victories, but that was a pretty well played game. Good enough to get points on a lot of nights. Those would be Grady Sass and Blake Price, Peach. <laughs> and, and I'm here Who? to say, like, yeah, exactly. I thought this was about beating one of the best teams yeah. in the league last That's night. What I, I thought this was about yeah. the Canucks haven't had a lot of wins against the cream of the crop in the NHL. And we're out here tweeting moral victories. Did you, did we you left moral victories. We Thank left them you. behind last year. I'm with you, Matt. 
Did you see the game? The hell with these guys. Did you happen to see the game previous I to that it one? With you, yes. Yeah. So, like, you gotta walk before you run here. They were walk, but Blake, they were walking. This is the thing. They were running, been walking and running. They were running. Yeah, yeah. but then they broke. They were their running leg. this league Th- this year. Then, then they had a spiral fracture with their foot oh, crushed. No. Yeah, and so then they got to walk again. And so they now walked. they're so now they're now they're the, now they're as a team they're Ilya Mikheyev. Is that what you're saying? So yeah, maybe. Yeah, good try, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Yeah, we you know you're a year out from recovery. It takes two years to get over these things. Yeah, well, to to stay with the uh, running metaphor, it is a marathon this season. So one of eighty two yeah. is not yeah. the whole entirety of the year, and so uh, it's a process. Last I checked, they're at eighty points, and uh, <laughs> there's like two months left in the season. So before eighty points was the finish line. So I think they're going to be okay. The low Back- bar. They've made it to the low bar. It's okay, guys. Yeah. Right. We called him out. Let's give him his time. What do you have to say for yourself there in the producer's booth? Well, they're coming off. There was a back-to-back second half. They're playing at higher altitude. They've given themselves a cushion to afford these type of games. Yes, they do need to get a win against Colorado and Vegas and some of the better teams in the West. But... The effort was there. A couple bounces here and there. Pia Suter in front. That power play gets going. A player texted me last night, said, you have no idea how hard back-to-back with the second one in Denver is. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard. So to, to play like they did, you know, admirable effort. Listen, and, and, and they didn't get yeah. puck. They didn't get puck. I just every pore in my body just recoils when I hear admirable effort because I thought we were about I will winning. Say this. Now. There was a, a win was there. Absolutely. A win was absolutely. Well, yeah. You know what? Oh. At the end of the day, they lost. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They've had worse efforts business. where they've won and they've had yeah. great efforts That's where they've nice. lost. C- come join me at the no moral victories That's table. Nice. And uh, and we'll have got eighty training. points. They're in first place, Matt. Like, oh my god. Okay, Matt and I, our standards are up here, mm-hmm. and you guys Ex- are right. Down All you need is a little right. context, fellas. Mm-hmm. You guys. Is Jim you know, Benning coming on this program? Yeah. You know, over the years, whether it was you know guys who made it in the league like Milan Lucic or guys who didn't make it in the league like Ty Ronning, uh, you know, I I would hear the I would hear the talk about the Canucks do such a bad job scouting their own backyard. And I would think, uh, okay, it would be nice to have lower mainland or BC players on the team, but I'm not sure the champagne is going to taste any sweeter in the Stanley cup parade. If it's a bunch of guys from locally or, you know, a bunch of guys from everywhere who bring this city, it's first Stanley cup. They win it this year. I think the champagne will taste sweeter because of our Steve Baines. I was sitting here a couple weeks ago going, what could make this Canuck season better? How about a Punjabi kid from Surrey crashing into the NHL as an undrafted and becoming a regular for the Canucks? What an amazing story that well, would be. And, and the way he performed last night, like there's going to be another look. Like he, he, we were talking about standards, the bar, he, he actually got over a pretty nice bar, right? Like, like playing in the NHL is hard enough. He actually looked like reasonable. Playing the like third period versus the abs. Yeah. Oh, they look yeah. pretty darn good. You know, I mean, there were a few he, blips there, but yeah, but, but his instincts were there. Like 
the, the, you can see the skills, the reason why he's been able to get himself to each, you know, up to a level and then succeed to that level and then get to the next one. Right. Like, like the, 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 the sort of the, the, the mental and physical discipline is there. And, and now it's about, can he sustain it? And, and he showed up last night. He actually, you know, he was an effective physical, he's not a huge hitter, but he played physically. He made smart decisions other than maybe, maybe his first shift didn't really, he never got burned. Um, you know, there was a, there was a shift, I think in the third period where I'm all of a sudden like, he's keeping tabs on Nathan McKinnon on going around the net. Like it was, there was a lot there. And I think, Rick Tockett's looking for coachable players, guys who are going to listen. You know, I, I I actually found myself reading a story I wrote a couple months ago about the third line, and and the Tockett quote literally was, "Those guys listen," and that was, you know, he was saying this is why they've been successful. Like we have some ideas, and they've been paying attention, and they and they've been applying them, and and throughout his career, it sounds like Archdeep Baines has been exactly one of those guys. So in terms of sticking in the NHL, there's a chance. And beyond that, absolutely, it's a fantastic story, um, and and it it will mean tons for. I mean, I I, I talked to I talked to Randy Janda, who obviously covers the you know covers the team. I talked to Jimmy Guman, a longtime local youth coach, who coached, who know who sort of Baines adjacent. He coached Northeast Chiefs the year after Baines played there in the BC Major Midget League. And and a guy that knows him from around knows his his coaches from coming up, um, and just thinks the world of this kid and says, yeah, like everything that was there, there was a lot of meaning, and it's going to be really important as a you know a father who of uh, of South Asian background who sees what his son sees, who sees what he himself sees. It, it's an incredible thing. It's going to be massively important for hockey for the hockey community for everyone in the in this province uh, and probably possibly even in this country and in lieu of the previously for uh, aforementioned uh mikhaev um who is seemingly ineffective on that third line um a reasonable proxy uh for that group right yeah i mean the thing about mikhaev is that like people are like, well why don't you scratch him i'm like are you really gonna like he's not actually hurting you defensively he's just no. not doing anything on offense no so, wow. so it's, he it, hurt it's, you last night that was a bad play last night the, the, okay the, sure the, but but yeah. on the whole like like he on yeah. the whole you know it's what are you replacing him with well okay baines could be an option when dakota joshua comes back but to to this point there's been no one that's been uh, you know, th- there's a minimum sort of this, and there's an NHL standard that he meets. He just clears the hurdle because he's not scoring right now. But anyway, but yes, like that was a, it was he was a better fit on that line than McKayev's been in since Joshua got hurt. Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, not scoring right now, who hasn't scored in forever. Um, but here's the other thing you may want to redeploy his salary before the trade deadline. And if Baines shows you he's a player here over the next few weeks, when, as you say, Patrick, when you get Dakota Joshua back, at least you're not going to be short a forward if you yeah. turn Ilya Mikheyev into a defenseman, or at least you still get your plus one forward if you move Mikheyev. Because the other thing, guys, is trade value here that they've got to think about. Uh, I don't think you want to sewer Mikheyev's trade value before March 8th, because I could see a Kuzmenko-like outcome here in terms of you just look at it and go, mm, it's not working. It's a lot of money. we got to find a way to redeploy. 
before the trade deadline because Edmonton and Vegas and this West is scary and we need to be at our best. He's not a guy who makes us our best. And there's, you know, in the end, there's, there is a baseline there. Like he has had success. I mean, you, I think there is an understanding here that, listen, you come back from an ACL injury. It takes you a long time and it's been true forever. And he's in the middle of that right now. And so, you know, you have to find someone who says, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're right. You know, that's why he's going to be better next year. That's why absolutely Patrick, he could be a next year player for somebody. Uh, yeah. But the Vancouver Canucks have all the rags. But that's why I faster. wouldn't retain though on him either, is because he—if you can't trade him, he—he well, he may be better next year. And um, well, and if worse comes to worse, he becomes like he's your—if he's your thirteenth forward, you're you're still doing okay, you know, like expensive, like but yes, it's yeah. expensive, yeah. but you know, like it—it right. it, it means that Baines is in the lineup over him, like, and he comes in because someone else is hurt. Like, it's not—it's not a disaster. Last question here. Um, Got to be quick. Uh, Phil Kessel. It was a week ago today. He hit uh, Abbotsford Center Ice. Yes. Coach Talk had said he would skate for a few days and then reevaluate. Uh, Mr. Dollywall reports he will not be playing games this week for Abbotsford. This ain't going well, is it? Mm, doesn't. I mean, no? like. It didn't surprise me. I, I wasn't sure he would. I thought maybe he might play games at the end of this week. They're on the road trip. I think some of it's just sort of the structure of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, they're back next week. Next, I mean, I, I think as I laid out last week, like like next week was always kind of the deadline I was looking to to see them in terms of looking at like a PTO because that's when he really does need to play a couple of games and you do need to see how he's doing. Um so that's kind of where they're at. Uh, you know, March 8th remains the deadline for signing him to an NHL contract. And and as I said, he's like plan C, you know, that their preference is to find a defenseman and find a guy who's currently playing in the NHL as a forward. Um, and failing that, they'll consider Kessel, but they mm-hmm. don't have to make a decision. They obviously need to see him play some games, but they don't have to make a decision for a couple of weeks still anyway. Great stuff. Thank you for this. We'll catch up next week. See you guys. Joined now by Casey Grable. He's the vice president and owner of Greta. And we got a party tomorrow, Casey. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm excited. I got to check in for my flight. Flying from Calgary to Vancouver to uh, watch a team that's uh, maybe a little bit better this year. You were uh, joking with us. Your job is the most fun in the company. It can be. It can be. I was two weekends ago. I was uh, I was out there for All Star Weekend in Toronto and uh, get to get to hang out with a lot of the uh, the guys in the NHL world. And then obviously on our side, I'm I'm the one person at the the old that we also own Hudson's another brand and it used to be a button called Casey at location and that was kind of that was the button that you know it basically all the all the bill all the all the all the drinks disappeared when they hit that button. <laughs> Greta's fun on a on a non game night with all the arcade games and the vibe there, but on a game night, my goodness, it, it really goes off. You've seen it before, and our previous Connects Army party as well. Um, it uh, people the enthusiasm is there right now in the city, isn't it? Uh, it's awesome just to talk to my team, and uh, you know, I, I like I said, I, I'm flying in for this one because it's uh, it was such a big deal. Our first event with you guys went off, you know, amazing. Uh, obviously, a huge win for the Canucks to start that season off, and uh, you know, a good start to the year has kind of led to where it is now. And 
yeah, I mean, it's a, a great year to have this partnership uh, with you yourselves and, uh, and Canucks Army and, and uh, the Greta Bar partnership. I'm stoked to have, uh, you know, a packed house again tomorrow for this. Casey is mentioning the first Saturday of the year, the second regular season game of the year, where the Canucks go into Edmonton. Casey DeSmith stands on his head, and they emerge with a victory. The spirit in the atmosphere at Greta that night was sensational. And Casey, I will forever remember that night if the Canucks go on to do something special because that's when the talk started that, huh, things are different this year. We got a real team this year. Beat Edmonton twice in that first week of the season. And, and dummied Edmonton in one of those games too, right? So, mm-hmm. and the atmosphere, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, for anyone who attended that event, obviously, like we did, have, we, you know, work some kinks out too. That was the most people we've ever had come in for for a, like a hockey game like that. So, uh, you know, a great kickoff to our partnership, and definitely some things that we learned from that that we're hopefully going to have applied and and have ready to go for tomorrow. But uh, you know, as of right now, there's still some tickets available for tomorrow, but it's it's looking good, and we're going to have a great atmosphere and. Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to to join in on the fun with you guys. And great proximity to the rink even on uh, home games. This is going to be a road game versus the Kraken, uh, a new rival. Um, so we'll see how uh, how that goes. But uh, even on, on game nights, uh, if you got tickets, it's a great spot. You guys chose a great one down there in Cordova. Yeah, I mean, we love – I mean, I think all, we've always been known as like a pre- and post-game spot. I mean, I think it just goes hand-in-hand going places where you can you know, play games and be competitive and have fun. And, you know, I think there's a little bit – especially on big wins, you know, there's obviously a lot of energy you want to get out after a big win. So, yeah, we, do, we, we love to have people come down. We call it – you know, we have a campaign right now called Last Stop Greta. So, you know, the, our whole focus is on, you know, wherever, wherever you go to start tonight, try and end it with us and, uh, you know, hopefully end it with having a really good time. Those final tickets are available, nationgear.ca, $10. This is a fundraiser for Canucks Place Children's Hospice. The doors open at 6. There'll be prizes, lots of great fun, uh, whether you're watching the hockey game or not, because there's some entertainment at Greta. Casey, thanks for the time. Look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. On to poll question results from Tuesday, we asked, do you trust the Canucks to respond to adversity? Yes or no, Blake? What did the people say? People said yes. They did. Percentage? 54. 65. Oh, okay. Yeah, nearly two and three. Scridler, can't let go of the ghost. Been burned by this team too many times historically to not have the yips and even the slightest appearance of adversity. That's good honesty on you, Scridler. I know there are many in Canuck Nation who feel like you. I live with one. 2-1. Here we go again. Like, three losses in a row. It's going to be okay. Yeah, and even after the 2-1 goal, they yeah, they push back. Of opportunity. Yeah. Pat says, yes, they have earned that trust for now. And then Glenn said, haven't faced any yet. And there were several comments like that. Um, people believing that the loss to Minnesota, after the loss to Minnesota, uh, after the loss to Winnipeg, did not constitute adversity. That this team, not having a major injury, not having a three-game losing streak until right now, hadn't really faced any adversity in this calendar season, which is just extraordinary when you think it's the last week of February. Errors and omissions from Tuesday's program. Uh, Rob, the siding guy, wants to put me on E's and O's. On Friday's program, I said, with this team, a two-goal lead is relatively safe. 
And then look what happened Monday in Minnesota. That was your fault. Oh. Well, but and I will say I qualified relatively, right? Mm-hmm. I think I'm off the hook with that one. I hear you, Rob, but I'm not quite sure that's an E or an O. Grady, anything from the inbox? Hearing none? Nothing. Thank you for listening, everybody. Reminder, subscribe to our podcast, Rinkwide Vancouver, Canucks Conversation, wherever you get your pods. Of course, follow on social at Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Gentleman here in the Wall Center said to me, hey, you guys do the hockey. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Saw you on TikTok. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and, th- of course, who knew Matt Sakaris a TikTok influencer? He's a TikTok star. Oh, he man. Is. Absolutely. When are you going to do your little dance videos to Jack Harlow? Uh, maybe tomorrow night at Greta. Oh, actually, if they God. play uh, if they play that Jack Carlo jam, I may be mm. dancing tomorrow at Greta. Make That's sure a viral moment. Right there. All the more reason to spend your ten dollars, donate to Canuck Place, and uh, come watch That's me. That's a viral a moment. And I hope I have a oh. vaccine for that virus. You're yeah. not. You're not going to. Meanwhile, you're not Blake, join in on a fun. Blake no. Price will be shotgunning a beer no. in the proper way. In the right. Corner. How no. about you shotgun tomorrow? Speaking of embarrassing. No. 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 Well. And, of course, support those community sponsors like Greta that you hear us talking about. Thanks for listening. Keep it local.